It's It's Nick here, and you're listening to TFUV 101.9 FM. Broadcasting from the traditional territories of the Songhees, Esquimalt, and Husanich people. You're listening to You in the Ring. UVic's deep dive into issues happening in and around UVic campus. Today's episode is about coming out. The folks included in this episode all embrace their own individual terminology and way of being in the world, but share the common thread of coming out in university. The origins of the term coming out date back to before the 1960s. Even before the term was used in gay literature, gay men had begun creating their own versions of debutante balls, calling them drag balls. The drag balls were not only similar in aesthetic, but in what they represented. Presenting oneself in society as eligible and ready to marry a young man. Both the debutante balls and drag balls were covered by the newspapers and reporters, hence why the term coming out became such a big deal. For the folks I spoke to, it felt like much less of a song and dance. As I had these conversations, I noticed two prominent things. The problematic association with the term coming out as it continues to assert that someone must come outside of the hetero experience and that each person's experience in coming out is so diverse and so rich that there is no right or wrong way of doing it. So I'm Kelby, and uh, I am bi, probably in like a bit of the ace or demisexual sort of spectrum, but I like bi, and that's what I tend to feel best about. So that's what I am. My name is Marin. I am a student here at UVic, and I identify as a gay or queer woman. My name is Jenna. I identify as a bisexual woman um, and also a disabled woman. Uh, so I grew up in the small town of Kamsack, Saskatchewan. I grew up in Whitehorse, Yukon. I grew up in Vancouver, BC. Um, I was born with cerebral palsy, so um, for me, that manifests in uh, mild left-sided weakness. Um, it was okay, sort of regressive attitudes, at least when I was there, about things like sexuality. It wasn't super vocal about it, but people just kind of didn't really talk about it, and the heteronorm was very um, much that way, and it's still like pretty conservative in its politics. It's definitely a super... Um like accepting place to be and like but also small enough that there is like a limited demographic of people a pretty like upper middle class family like um i had no like real struggles there um so i was really lucky that way and um my father's actually a urologist so we kind of talked about sex all the time, just like at the dinner table all the time. So I was always like very, I found everything like that, like very normal to talk about. I always knew everything in sex ed. Um, and so I think I was really lucky in that sense that like um, I grew up in a pretty sex positive environment. Like it wasn't taboo to talk about. So that was great. But I mean, my parents are straight. So like we didn't really talk about gay stuff at all. Uh, I think I had a lot of internalized things that I've needed to unpack. 
One thing that I was just talking to my previous roommate about was, um, although I recently realized that I am attracted to men, I still have like deep-seated trust issues with men because like I found the sort of masculine attitude very bad in Kamsak. So it's uh, it's still something that I'm like trying to work on because like all men were kind of just like not great emotionally or like you couldn't really approach them with any sort of like emotion or problem or weakness or appear feminine in any way I guess um so it's still hard to like I think for me to fully be open with other men and that's like something I'm trying to to work on but that's definitely altered the way that I approach relationships that they're like I there definitely was a small queer community and maybe I just didn't see it or wasn't given an opportunity to see it but I do remember in like grade four or five in grade five um I remember like I like in retrospect I obviously had a very gay crush on this girl in my class but I absolutely did not realize that and I remember I thought she was just like my best friend in the whole world and like I remember asking my mom I was like do you ever just like your friends so much that you love them my mom was like no (laughs) I was like oh yeah me neither what (laughs) I've never subscribed exactly to what the heteronorm may be. Like, I didn't really have a lot of romantic relationships in high school or, like, crushes or even anything like that because something about, like, I just even then probably knew on some level that I didn't fit into the dialogue but just, like, didn't piece it together because, like, you're told that that's the only dialogue. And I was like, well, it'll make sense at some point. Um, But... Towards uh, my, yeah, my second year of university, I think I started to discover more things like uh, online. There was like more people talking about what asexuality was and like all these alternate things that weren't just like you're either straight or gay. There was like a whole, a whole other world out there. As soon as you split that atom, actually, mm-hmm. um, so I started to realize like see all these people talking about other options and things they might be, and then I'd read like, I guess testimonies or people's stories about their experiences of what their attraction was like. And I'd be like, oh, that's exactly how I am. Uh, So I think that's when I started to piece things together. And then occasionally I'd have like little remembrances of like a story when I was in grade seven and be like, oh, that's when you were, that's when you were being like very, very probably somewhere on the ace or demi spectrum. Because you just like, he just didn't get it. And it wasn't that like other people were being, um, bad or stupid or saying things that weren't true for their own experience of like attraction but you just didn't get it because that's not your experience of attraction oh so that i think it was that sort of thing that when i started to like stitch the pieces together stitch the experiences of my life into like a quilt that made sense i think i had a hard time like relating like i didn't um realize I was queer until like my later high school years and I think it was the fact that I didn't have many role models in that way and I didn't really see myself in any um, other queer folk that were out and open and living their lives. There definitely were like um, yeah like queer people in Whitehorse but like I feel like it's a small enough place that it's like um 
a little limited for sure, or at least what I, with my like, yeah, like 15 year old perspective could see, like I didn't see much. Um, honestly, not until like later high school, like I think probably around grade 10, I started thinking like maybe I was bi. Back to my brain and I think there was like two people in my high school that were out. Um, and things like, like the GSA, like Gay Straight Alliance, like I would have never gone near that. Like, yeah, I didn't even know like that it was a thing until I like, like in grade 12, I think I walked by the room once, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, there was like definitely not a lot of visibility in high school and um, definitely a lot of like homophobic like jokes and stuff that it didn't even seem to be like genuine. It was just like, because there was like no gay people, like it was just such a non thing. For things like, like I still, it's still sort of tough to explain like what is uh, demisexuality say to people. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think there was like a little bit of that fear of like trying to uh, explain or make people understand when it's still not fully accepted or even really known as a thing. So there was mm-hmm. a bit of that, but I do remember the first time I started sort of thinking myself more as bi, I was in, I think I was in Toronto and it was some one snowy morning and I was practicing some positive visualization to, to help with like anxiety and mood and things like that. Um, and the way I just like visualized myself as, as a bi person, I was like, Oh, wow, that feels so good. Mm-hmm. And just having that sense of myself as that, I was like, yeah, that feels super good and super right. I think I was out to myself when I was probably 17 and came out to one of my friends when I was probably 18 and then didn't really like start to, um, I don't know, advertise it or like, um, yeah, really be more open until I moved away for my first year of university. I have people that I've known for like a really long time who probably still don't even know that I'm queer or like anything other than what they've known me to be and like whether it was like early or school years or like growing up in Whitehorse. Mm -hmm. So it's like, yeah, definitely a something that's constant and we have to continue to work through. I believe it's been talked about is like sort of the emotional labor of needing to like um, define and defend and explain exactly who you are and what your experience is instead of just being allowed to be someone you know Mm -hmm. Um, so it's I think part of it is just like it's annoying to have to do all the time and to like have this thing that's like this is gonna this could like possibly totally shift a relationship if they're gonna be supremely uncool about it Mm -hmm. Um, and then sometimes it's just like, this is, I really don't want to have to do this again. There's other things I would rather be doing with my time. I'd rather just like talk about other things and not have to, I don't want to have to spend all my time talking about like gender and sexuality theory, although sometimes it is a hoot. <laughs> um, so I think um, not having to define myself constantly is the way I prefer to kind of go about my life. Like, so I'm currently in a long-term relationship with a cis man, so mm-hmm. like a heterosexual relationship, um, and I feel like I am more like 
like vocally gay and like angrily gay than I like ever was when I was single. Over reading break, I was staying with his family and I was trying to explain that to his mom because um, she was saying like, oh, well, when someone says that they're gay, they're like automatically inviting conversation about like who they sleep with. And I was like, that's not true. Like, that's not what it's about. And I was like, like, you know that I'm bisexual, but I hope that when I say I'm bisexual or that I'm dating your son, you're not thinking about our sex life. It's mm -hmm. like about the life we have together and like the fact that we love each other and we care for each other. And so me being bi isn't that I just sleep with men and women, even though that is a part of it. It's it's more about like just my values and my outlook on the world and my community. Like it has so much more to do with them than like just the specific people that I'm having sex with. My my notes have big underlined here, no likey. I, I think I prefer to think of it in terms of like either a disclosed or undisclosed sexuality. Um, that sort of, it's something like not hidden, but you're just choosing not to tell it in particular instances. Um, I've had like some bad experiences of just like the experience of needing to like come out and kind of bleh, put it all out there. Like I've had some biphobic first dates when people are like oh you're bi that's you're all of these things or like you're more prone to cheating etc 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 or you're just some sort of fake um queer person so i've had a lot of bad distinctly coming out experiences so i've like sort of turned off of the whole idea of just needing to do this big reveal um so i prefer just to like sort of not really hide it about myself and just openly express attraction to to people who go by and often it seems to confuse the straights i guess you could say because like if i see um the people just tend to assume i'm straight which is this whole other thing but if i just kind of express attraction to a man i can see the wheels turning in their head trying to figure out like is kelby is he gay is he straight what mm -hmm. what's going on here and i i think there's maybe something cruel about me that prefers to let people be confused rather than having to like me do the work of figuring it out for them or revealing it for them um but i've also had good experiences of just like telling friends uh, especially when i was first figuring this this stuff out um so it hasn't all been bad i just prefer not having to think in terms of this big emotional reveal that often times does not go exactly well or this thing that you have to keep doing over and over and over for different people yeah like i definitely never did and I think like um I didn't I like definitely suppressed a lot of thoughts just because not because I was like ashamed of them but just because like oh that couldn't possibly be my reality because I was like felt more or less like to fit some sort of straight person stereotype when I first recognized myself to be not at least not straight I kind of like um played around with some like labels or whatever and then I think coming like arriving at the term queerness just felt so um kind of all-encompassing and like I don't have to be one way or the other like I feel sometimes these other terms have such like um strict guidelines that are placed upon them socially that it's hard either people really identify with them or like no that's not for me so I think the word queer just feels super um like it's not limited by anything
I was very much like in the closet in terms of my disability Mm. and I really can't take credit for that phrase or that concept that's it's uh, there's an author named Ryan O'Connell who is a gay man who has cerebral palsy as well and he wrote a book called I'm special and other lies we tell ourselves and so he talked a lot about how coming out of the closet as gay was like nothing for him like no one knew about it I everyone kind of knew already but he remained in the closet as disabled for many years and I definitely that definitely resonates with me because yeah to me it always felt like there was something a lot more not shameful but embarrassing about being disabled than about being gay it's been really interesting over the last couple years that I've like kind of started to accept my disabled identity more it's been interesting to see like how much that like mirrors like coming out of the closet as gay like it they seem like very similar journeys just on different timelines you're sort of presenting yourself as changed in a certain sense Mm. uh, or anticipating that this is going to change things when like really it shouldn't they should be willing to see you just as you who you are regardless of sexuality so needing to like reveal this thing is sort of counter to that because it sort of gives makes the dialogue about change rather than about this consistency within yourself if i like assert my queerness that's kind of as far as i need to go like i don't really need to explain anything else Mm. or yeah explain my experience and it's like i don't need to um even for myself like to define anything further because like i feel like it's a fluid process of like ever changing and like yeah i feel like the term queer kind of um allows room for that fluidity i kind of made the decision when i came into first year that i would just be out um as bisexual so i just like not necessarily like introduce myself like hi i'm jenna i'm gay although i do do that a lot um but um i like i kind of like entered in as a blank slate and then the first time it came up in conversation i would say like oh i'm bi or whatever so that i didn't have to kind of come out to these people that i already knew um and so that was really nice because like i said like uvic i find is a very queer university like a lot of people are gay here Uh, especially like the longer I'm here like in first year people are timid and stuff but um yeah it seems like a lot of people are gay and so I never had a problem with that but like I said I only really started to um come out as disabled or like kind of like claim my space in that community in like the last two years um like I like I've never hidden my disability like if it comes up I will say like um like oh I have cerebral palsy can you help me like carry this or whatever um but nowadays I more treat it as like a part of my identity like I said like hi I'm Jenna I'm queer and disabled and I write that in all my cover letters and (laughs) things like that like now I kind of have like made that claim to it that I definitely didn't in my first year my first year I did the whole res thing and it's kind of um like a lot of like hookup culture, like binge drinking and like kind of a typical like college experience, which is like 
it isn't super compatible with like a queer experience and like queerness isn't very much like it isn't super visible or at least I didn't feel um like I was free to like explore because like yeah or at least it was maybe the people I surrounded myself with but I still felt kind of a pressure to especially like coming as a first year and you're trying your best to just like find a group of people and like make yourself like establish yourself in this new place and I found myself acting a lot on my like the compulsory like heterosexual acts that I practiced in like my high school experience which didn't feel good and I think I used that as like um, a way to protect myself. I still have this internalized thing where being a queer person I still think I'm like the only queer person in the room and like everyone else is straight but uh, in one of my classes I think um, pretty much everyone except maybe one person was queer and I was like whoa this is wild like and it just kind of came up naturally because we were all hanging out one day we'd always have tea at our break time in our class and we just kind of started talking about our experiences and it was like whoa this is cool um so that's been something that's changed i've actually found like sort of a that queerness is more common than i thought uh, and i found like a really good sort of queer community in my in my program and just at the university in general which isn't really something that i've that i had before as part of my experience like i said like my boyfriend now he's like very supportive of me and i think partly because i live with nora and like both of us have like drilled it into him or like i guess just by like osmosis he's kind of like learned um but he's a really great presence in my life because he like i'm able to be like disabled and queer with him without feeling like weird or other or mm-hmm. whatever like because i always when i was younger like thought of like sexuality and disability as like polar opposites like i can't be sexy if i'm disabled but like he has kind of helped me find that like perfect ground where I don't feel like I'm being fetishized, but I still am like perfectly comfortable with like who I am and still like he loves me and thinks I'm sexy or whatever. I think finding other um, queer people in that space really helped me. Yeah, and I feel like once you see other people like being able to yeah, explore their sexuality in a more free way that definitely, like, made me feel, or, like, gave me room to do that, too. I think in many ways I'm more comfortable in the academy setting of, like, being able to um, articulate my points and engage in, like, uh, I guess arguments, but also productive dialogues when I disagree with someone or if I need to defend a point. Um I find myself much more confident in navigating that sort of thing than outside, I guess. And, like, the stereotypical example would be, like, arguing with your family at the holidays because of some conservative viewpoint brought up, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I find even though I'm, like, fairly confident in class about raising my opinions, I still struggle with that in more le- or less formal social settings, even though it's, like, hey, wait, I'm probably the person in this room who's most recently studied, uh, like, gender theory and studied things like sexuality and looked at, like, what's actually going on 
in modern thought on sexuality. So why am I kind of, why am I not confident in my voice here? Um, and I guess a lot of it is just because like there's people around you who you think still think of as an authority in a sense, even though we should be more confident in what we have to say because it's not like we're not knowing things, you know? I am registered with Cal, the Center for Accessible Learning, and I really have enjoyed that and it's been really helpful um, to have those accommodations. Um, but I don't know if profs like really get it. Like profs like obviously are held to a certain standard with like if Cal says someone needs an accommodation, like they have to respect that. But other than that, profs like usually don't go out of their way to be accessible and that's kind of frustrating. Like like I wish like okay, this is also Nora's like idea, not mine. But Nora said something like, um, like I think that profs should be held to a minimum standard of accessibility in their classes. Like they should, for example, they should have to post some sort of notes online, like or slides or something, instead of just writing on the blackboard, because that makes it so much more accessible to so many people if they can't attend class physically, if they have um, like visual impairments, if they have hearing impairments. Like it's so hard for if you're just writing on the blackboard. Um, and yet so many profs don't do that. And so, and it's such a little thing, like even just for people that aren't disabled, just in general for learning, that would be better. So I wish that profs kind of like were held to a better standard there. Um, but like in terms of Cal, it's been really good. I also think that institutions need to do more to make sure there is enough uh, queer friendly spaces on campus. Yeah, I think housing would be queer housing uh, on and off campuses mm -hmm. would be a great a great way to get more um, queer space on the university. I think now that I've like um, become quite acquainted with like the UVic campus and the communities and like I know where these spaces exist but I wish there was like I wish someone like would was able to like point me in that direction sooner on like you have to look for them I think a little harder than some people would be willing to do or like feel comfortable enough to do getting assigned to like live with strangers or a roommate if you're doing that in university is uh, harrowing all the time but I think it's mm -hmm. a, it feels especially scary if you are a queer person because you like you don't know uh, what they're gonna be like you don't know if they're gonna be cool or not I guess you could say if you're uh, lacking queer content on like your syllabi I always think in terms of English majoring because that's what I am um, but if there's sort of not like queer writers or things that relate to that um, you can always complain on your course reviews or see what other uh, options are available for you to kind of voice that sort of complaint um, sort of and sort of similar to what I was saying about family stuff professors don't always know everything especially for sort of rapidly developing things that we're aware of like sexuality so like it's okay to challenge them on certain things or if you um if you feel like they're not saying the right thing and you kind of want to challenge them but are nervous because those sort of levels of authority are very different and they have a lot more power than you um try reaching out to like a queer association on your campus and see like talk to them about what your sort of options are in that in that scenario because like professors may wittingly or unwittingly discriminate against you but you're not alone on campus there's like people who are there 
who can help you and who can help you navigate that sort of thing, um, either just emotionally or throughout the institution of like, okay, who can I, do I send a message to the dean now? What do I do? Um, is there someone who can kind of come sit with me as I go to meet with this professor to tell them to use the right pronouns or something like that? Mm-hmm. So, Like I've taken the freedom with the assignments and like um, the cl- various classes I'm taking, like in sociology and gender studies, you can kind of um, write about what you are interested in. So I've definitely taken that opportunity to kind of educate myself about the topics that I want to be educated in and that I think are relevant to my existence. Because I have like a more or less like invisible disability, I sometimes feel like like I have this like, um, what's the term, imposter syndrome. Mm-hmm. Um, like I kind of feel like, hey, just so you know, I'm also disabled. <laughs> like I don't actually say that, but, and I don't think that anyone in the room is ever thinking that I shouldn't be there. But I have found myself like feeling that way. Mm-hmm. So yeah, kind of like the same thing where I feel like that if I go into gay pride, I'm like, I am queer, I promise. Sometimes I do have this expectation of someone being judgmental or something. So I think I can um, project that when it doesn't necessarily exist. It's really an opportunity to kind of like shed your past, maybe like experience from high school. And you can kind of like look for the people you want to share your time with and find places that you'll be accepted. So yeah, I think it's like a wonderful time to explore yourself and find out what you like and what you don't like and yeah, how you want to exist in a community. You know what? And I want to, um, that's another thing I want to do. I want to actually like make sure I listen to my peers and find my peers who are um, queer people of color, Mm. trans, uh, queer, neurodiverse, uh, Mm. differently abled. Uh, I want to make sure that I'm actually like listening to uh, to their stories or trying to like reach out and engage with them, um, because even in just in terms of research, anytime I've done that, it's like really enriched my experience and like taught me a whole lot of new stuff that I wouldn't have known before, and it's been really great. When women say that they're bi, people assume that they're like straight and just looking for attention, mm-hmm. and when men say they're bi, people think that they're like just on their way to coming out as gay. I was having a conversation about being queer or bisexual with someone and someone who was like so far away from me, he was like like down the block from me because we were walking to the bus stop, just turns around and goes, Jenna, have you turn- heard of the term lug? I was like, sounds offensive, but what is it? He was like, L-U-G, it stands for lesbian until graduation. I was like, excuse me? He was like, yeah, it kind of sounds like that's what you are. Like a lot of heterosexual women think it's cool to make out with women for attention. I was like, you're not even a part of this conversation like what I just I was so so taken aback that like he would just insert himself into my conversation to tell me that my identity is invalid yeah I think I've had quite a bit of like imposter syndrome in my yeah experience so just like knowing that I can exist and not have to be anything but myself and knowing that that's just fine and then like being able to provide that for other people too and like 
I know that like my experience is not super um, crazy or anything, but I think that's probably what makes it relatable. For people with disabilities, like register with Cal or like at whatever university you're at, like the Resource Center for People with Disabilities, because like I didn't until my second year and I really regretted that um, because it can be so helpful to have those accommodations and like I think that I just needed to hear that it wasn't like cheating or that like I wasn't disabled enough like if someone had told me that I probably would have registered right away and so I think that can be so helpful um, and in terms of people like coming out as gay or coming to university as gay like there is like a huge community here at UVic and at other universities and like I think sometimes it can be hard to find especially like if you're kind of like timidly looking around and like you don't want to be like I'm gay where do I go um, but I really urge you to try to find that because it makes it so much better. The last thing I want to learn is just like maybe I should just trust myself and that like <laughs> I'm smart and I know things and I should not be afraid to call people out if I yeah. disagree with a certain point they're making because I can like I can make an argument or I can like be um, smart about it. I'm not just wrong all the time or I shouldn't be so scared of voicing my opinion if someone's like saying something that is really hurtful of me. Um, so I think that confidence that I have in the seminar room, I would like to transfer over into my real life. I'd like to give a big thank you to Marin, Kelby, and Jenna for sharing their stories and themselves. I'd also like to let you know you can find other episodes of You in the Ring, along with other seasons, at cfuv.uvic.ca. This episode of You in the Ring was produced by Dakota Hagen and was made possible through the generous support of the UVic Student Awards and Financial Aid Work-Study Program. If you liked this episode, check out more at cfuv.ca and be sure to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, 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 oh,